Welcome to It's Time on CSN International, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. On today's episode, we'll be listening to Senior Pastor Mike Kessler as he teaches in the book of Mark. Each of the four Gospels has a different approach and different audience targeted by the Holy Spirit. The book of Mark is a fast-paced, action-packed tome focused on Christ's role as a servant. By studying the examples of Christ in the book of Mark, we can learn a great deal about what our life as Christians should look like and the heart of Christ. With our study on Mark, here's Pastor Mike. We were reading about how um, Jesus had been anointed with the costly ointment. Uh, The alabaster box had been broken. The ointment had been poured on him. Um, one of the gospels tells us that Judas Iscariot was indignant, said that was a wor- that was a year's worth of labor, what that bottle cost. What a waste. And Jesus said, don't trouble the woman for she has anointed me for my burial. It's interesting. We talked about that. No good deed goes unpunished. Well, uh, unfortunately, oftentimes that's the way it is here. This woman was trying to do Jesus a favor. And of course, there's always going to be somebody that objects to you and what you want to do for God. Now, uh, if you were simply to take everybody's opinion of that, the bottom line would be, friends, nobody would ever do anything for the kingdom of God because there's always somebody that doesn't like what you're doing. And usually there's a reason why. And certainly we know that Judas Iscariot, the Bible tells us, wasn't so much worried about the bottle of costly ointment as the Bible says that he'd been stealing from the disciples all along. So Judas Iscariot was somebody that had, you might say, bad motives all along. Well, after this great thing that had been done to Jesus, we find as we pick up the story here in verse 10, it says, then Judas Iscariot, notice this, one of the 12. Now, when you see one of the 12 there, that's not to make your Bible bigger. It's to let you know that in the circle of Jesus's friends, one in 12 was a traitor. In fact, actually, it's interesting as we will read on. Actually, basically, they all left Jesus after his crucifixion. Only John, maybe a couple other disciples were there. They said, we go fishing, and they left. They really didn't know what was going to happen to them after Jesus had been crucified. Jesus told them many times he was going to raise from the dead. But, you know, it's funny. Sometimes we only hear what we want to hear. And the rest we kind of forget about. If you think about that, uh, moms and dads, you talk to your kids. Your kids only hear what they want to hear. You, you tell them that you're going to, you're going to take them uh, down to one of the amusement parks, down to Lagoon or Disneyland. Man, they will never let you forget that until you do it. You tell them to dump the garbage, one ear and out the other, it's gone. You notice sometimes when you're arguing with your kids and you're arguing with them and all of a sudden you just kind of stop arguing because you're having an argument within your own mind. Shall I kill him now? Or kill him later, you know. And the kids get scared when you get quiet, by the way, because they know that you're thinking. You're not just arguing with them. But it's funny that we hear sometimes what we want to hear, and we disregard those things that we don't want to listen to. And certainly that was the case, I believe, as Jesus had told them many times. He was going to Jerusalem. He was going to die there. And of course, they didn't understand what Jesus was saying. They can, when Jesus came in on that um, beautiful Sunday morning, or I should say Saturday, uh, that uh, when he descended into the, from the Mount of Olives into the city of Jerusalem, um, they believed that Jesus was going to set up his earthly kingdom right then and there. And they were, of course, going to rule and reign with him. 
But we find that by the end of the week, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were pretty much against Jesus and everything that he was trying to do. And so they were looking for a way in which they could destroy Jesus. And, and you'll find this that usually, um, you know, friends, I, I believe it's inevitable we all do things wrong. I, I, I know we do that. If you don't believe me, just ask your spouse. They'll tell you we do things wrong. But one of the things that you'll find is we... I think it's really bad when you're plotting to destroy somebody else. I I think that's bad. I mean, sometimes we do something dumb. We say something we wish we wouldn't say. But to deliberately be plotting to ruin somebody. Friends, that's that's a crazy thing. Well, notice it says Judas, one of the 12. By the way, that was Jesus, one in 12. What do you think your odds are? You think about that for a minute. A lot of people say, well, I don't go to church. Why? Because it's full of hypocrites. Well, first of all, we've shared this before. You're going to hate hell because it's got a lot of them there. But one of the things for sure we do know is this. Not everybody that says, Lord, Lord, is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Because there's a, there's a uh, you might say, a, a type of... Um, religiosity, uh, an orthodoxy that people will follow in somehow making believe that they are something when in reality they may have never met the master. The Bible says that you can actually know the Bible very well. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 tells us this. That great chapter in the Bible that speaks about love says you can know the Bible but not have love in your heart. And so it profits you nothing, he says. The Bible says you can have all knowledge and if you don't Uh, love God. It it isn't going to do anything for you in the long run. Well, here it's interesting. It says one of the 12 went to the chief priest to betray him, uh, to betray Jesus to them. And so when the chief priest heard of it, they were glad and promised to give him money. So they sought how they might sought to conveniently betray him. So um, he um, uh, for a sum of money, and again, uh, money, be, always be careful when money becomes your sole motivator, friends. Because we find a lot of times that uh, people that do that, their priorities get all out of whack. Certainly Judas Iscariot was that way. Uh, I guess maybe that would have been more for him to steal. I don't know. But uh, whatever it was, the Bible here tells us that uh, Judas Iscariot was making a deal with the Pharisees. Now all week long, remember this. Probably very much the same Pharisees that had came testing him the entire week. Trying to find in some way fault with Jesus. Because you have to remember, during that same time across town, there were priests that were examining the lambs that were to be slain for Passover for the sins of the nation of Israel. And then there was a group of Pharisees and Sadducees that were examining Jesus to find some fault with him so that he might also not be the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. They were trying to find some fault with him. Now, you'll find this in your own life, that people will be trying to find fault with you. And the reason why is if they can discount you, they can discount your message. They can discount all the things that they've seen God do for you in your life. You know, sometimes we we run into issues in our life and we, we get a little bit frustrated sometimes with God. I think we all do. Because we know that God's all powerful. He can do anything. Then God, why do I go through this problem I'm with in right now? All I can tell you is this, I don't know, but I do know this, that just as God has been faithful in the past, he'll be faithful in the future. And you say, well, what what does that exactly mean? Well, the Bible all the way through tells us and reminds us to remember how God has been faithful in the past. You might be going through something right now, you don't understand it. It it might be one of those very things that even, we might say, challenge your whole being and even maybe your relationship with God where you feel like just 
saying, well, Lord, I, I, I love you, but I can't take this anymore. I'm out of here. Goodbye. I think we've all felt that way. And, and, I, and I believe that there's a reason why that God, God's word reminds us continually to look and see his faithfulness in times past. You know, sometimes, friends, in the middle of the trial, we don't see the forest for the trees. We don't see what God's going to do on the other side of what he's bringing us through because he's endeavoring to teach us something about his personality or reveal something about our personality that needs to be changed. Now, God is, again, faithful to you. The Bible says he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He'll never leave you or forsake you, not even in the end of the age. So that's something you can count on. That's something that you know. But on the other hand, there's things about us we don't know. Have you ever found how much you don't know you? I mean, friends, it's pretty scary, really, when you think about it. And I'm amazed from the littlest things to the biggest things, what sometimes we want. And we've all talked about that before, about things that we buy and we get at home and we go, why did I buy that? But you know, it's a lot bigger than that. You can go to a buffet and you can eat all you can eat. And you won't even get out of the restaurant and you'll say to yourself, why did I just do that? Because we realize that we really don't know us. It seemed like a great idea at the time to eat as much crab as one could possibly eat. But later on you go, I don't think I can put my pants on. And we go through these things and friends, I am convinced we don't know us nearly as well as we think we know us. And you know what I have also found? We don't want to know. Because we like living in fantasy land. You know there's a place at Disneyland called Fantasyland. And a lot of people think you have to go to Disneyland to go to Fantasyland. Hey, Fantasyland is as close as your next thought. This is why we have so many issues, you might say, with interpersonal relationships. Because there's a person that we think we are. There's the person you really are. And then there's the person that they think they know, which would be you. And generally speaking, nary the three cross paths. In other words, you'll find that who you really are sometimes can be so distant from who you think you are. Who you really are can be so different from what other people think you are. And you know, one of the things as we come to Christ is God has a way of peeling away the veneer. Or somebody often said one time, like peeling the skin away from an onion. It keeps peeling and peeling and peeling. But you know what? We, we still continue to find that God is endeavoring to reveal to us who we are. You know, it's not until you really see who you are do you know that you need a Savior. That's one of the whole purposes, friends, of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments is not meant to ever justify a person. You start reading the Ten Commandments, it don't take you very long to go, oh, I blew that one, oh, I blew that one, oh, I blew, oh, I blew several of these, oh, I, you know. You realize God's standard, we, we, don't, we don't match up. But that's when we realize that we need a Savior. But you know, a lot of times we don't want to really look and see who we are. And so we have an understanding, we might say, of God that may not be of, like God. We have, may have an understanding of ourselves. You know, Judas Iscariot... Those same people that he was betraying the whereabouts where Jesus would be later on that evening. Where the crowds would not be around him. Where they could come and arrest him. 
were no doubt the same Pharisees that he saw earlier in the day asking Jesus, should we pay taxes or not? It's interesting to me that somebody would wonder, why am I shaking hands with the very people that were trying to entrap my friend? But you see, this is the kind of world that we live in. And Jesus was not exempt from that world, friends, nor are you. And that's why Jesus said, know this, it's not you they hate, it's me in you they hate. That they hated me long before they ever hated you. And do you know why that is? Because when you come around with a relationship with Christ, there's an innocence, I believe, that is there. And I also believe that there's a genuineness that's there. People see who you really are. Now, they may think you're weird, but at least that's who you are. But then there's the facade that that challenges. The Bible says to some, we're the fragrance of life, and to others, we're the stench of death. And it depends on the condition of your heart. Whether and how that message of the gospel, what it's going to do when it hits your life. Well, he tells us here. Now, on the first day of the unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go prepare so you may eat the Passover? And so he sent them out, sent two of his disciples, and said to them, Go into the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water, and follow him. And wherever he goes, wherever he goes in, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he'll show you a large upper room furnished and prepared there, make ready for us. And his disciples went out, came into the city and found it just as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. To me, friends, this is an amazing thing. Jesus said, go into the city, you're going to find a guy carrying a water pot. Now, friends, first of all, that was not really what guys did. That was really something that women did in those days. And so automatically, that would, first of all, catch your attention. He said, follow him. When you, when you get to where he's going, then say to the master of the house, where's the room that's been prepared? And you'll find it just as he said. You know, it's a funny thing to me that God already has gone before us. You know, nothing takes God by surprise in your life or in my life. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, I accepted the Lord, Mike. I really messed up. Does God still love me? Do you know God knew you were going to mess up when you accepted Christ? A lot of times I've talked to people and say, boy, if I could just hear the voice of God, that would change my life. Well, if you're a Christian here this morning, you've heard the voice of God. There was something in your life when you heard about Jesus dying on the cross for you, that he took your, cro- your, he took your sins on the cross and he died in your place, there was a little voice inside of you that said, this is for you. This is for you. Now, I don't know how that came across to you. But there was something that you went, yeah. Yeah, I'm a rat. You are a dirty rat. (laughs) (laughs) And you need this. And that voice that said, you need this, was God. So you heard the voice of God. And because you heard the voice of God, you accepted the message that God loved you. And as I look at this, I I realize something, that nothing takes God by surprise. And you say, well, God, I know this is going to really upset you. But you know that thing I did this week? And God goes, I have no idea. Of course he knows. Of course he knows. There's nothing that gets by God. That's why you can be honest with God. That's why the Bible says, Jesus said, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Do you know what I found about real friends? By the way, friends, they're really hard to find. But you know what I found about real friends? 
The Bible said a friend loves at all times. And if they don't, then there's another motive. There's something else that's causing the attraction. Many of us, unfortunately, went through that brutal realization when we were in high school that when we had money in a car and gas, we were everybody's friend. And then when Daddy took the T-bird away, we didn't have that group of friends anymore. But I found that there were some still that would walk home from school with you. Those were your friends. And, and I, I have also found that, that a lot of times as we look at this, that, that God's our friend. And in spite of the things that you and me have done wrong in our lives, that God is still there. His Holy Spirit still continues to work with us. And even that you did wrong, you know that you did wrong, shows that God in His love said you did wrong. You know people in the world can go out and commit heinous crimes and they don't care? Do you know why that is? There's no one in their spirit that told them that they did wrong. So if you have ever been found out, if if God has ever put his finger on sin in your life, friends, don't think that God hates you because of that. He loves you to say, hey, my love, you've erred, but I forgive you. But God, you would have never chosen me to be in your kingdom if you knew that I was going to blow it like this. And you know what God says? I knew you were going to blow it like that all along. That's why I'm telling you right now to come home to me. You see, the Bible tells us that condemnation comes from the devil. That's where we've done something wrong. And the devil says, run, go away. God will never have you in his presence ever again, you low-life scum. You ought to just go back out into the world where no one cares. And you think, well, that sounds like there might be a little relief in that. And this is what we might call a backslide. Because when we do something wrong, we don't always know what to do with ourselves. But the Holy Spirit, on the other hand, says, you've done wrong. But God still loves you. And you come to God, and the Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Friends, what a difference. One brings you to the Lord. The condemnation drives you from the Lord. There's a great difference in that. And and, and I I am really amazed how many Christians have been fooled by the lie of the devil saying, well, God will never have you in his presence again. So there. And we go, yeah, that's right. I'm I'm a loser. Have you ever felt that way? Anybody here ever felt suicidal? You know what that is. That's where you want to give up. You just feel that you've done too many things wrong and and nothing was ever going to make it right. This is the great news of the gospel, friends. God's bigger than things you've done wrong. You always got to remember that. And God's not forgotten you. And in the spite of no matter how bad it has ever been in your life, I, I just got some great news for you. As I read the Bible here, God always, when you add him into any situation into your life, will change that situation. Always. And he'll change it for the better. Now, sometimes there's some adjustment that needs to be made, but that's okay. Let God do that. Because God can build out of the ashes better than it was before. And you say, how can that be? That's where he's God. And you let God be God because that's what he does. God already knows the future. He said, go out. You're going to find a guy carrying a water pot. You follow him and he's going to have the room ready for where we're all going to have Passover meal. Now, now friends, God knows the future. God knows more about tomorrow than you remember about yesterday. And that's why we have great hope in the days to come. Not in that the world and that the United Nations is going to make everything work. 
But our hope is in Christ Jesus, whom the Bible says that he's going to come and get us one of these days and take us all home. Friends, I look forward to that. That's something that, uh, as you see these things go on around you, and it's interesting, the book of um, Ezekiel, we talked about this a little bit last week, but Ezekiel chapter 38 talks about in the last days that there's going to be a coalition of Arab countries that come against Israel literally to destroy it, push it into the sea. It's interesting that the, the president of Iran, not Iraq, but Iran, said that his whole purpose is to destroy Israel. And you know what's interesting? That Meshach and Tubal are going to be two of the principles that are going to be an aid to what the Bible says is Persia. Persia is Iran. And Meshach and Tubal are two ancient cities in Russia. Moscow and, and um, uh, Toblansk. But as our own people tell us, the change between peaceful use of the atom and military use for the atom is a very, very short step. And so we see this alignment happening. You might want to read it. It talks about Ethiopia, Libya, the Balkan states around the Baltic Sea area, which are now, uh, we know, are, are, are uh, Islamic states. And the Bible says this is all coming for a showdown. Now, I would be worried, especially my heart goes out to you people that have small children. My heart would be worried. But you know what the Bible says? That these things will come to pass. You know what God's told us? When you begin to see these things, look up. Your redemption draws an eye. That's Pastor Mike Kessler on It's Time. If you've missed any part of today's episode, I'd like to inform you that we offer It's Time for free as a podcast download in the iTunes store. If you'd like a hard copy that you can keep and share, give us a call at 800-357-4226 and the operator can help you with that. Don't forget, It's Time to Grow. Pastor Mike's book on the Christian walk is also available completely free for you by calling that toll-free number I just mentioned. Tune in next time for more It's Time. It's time.